Hello, and welcome to the seventh episode of my podcast series, Financial Crime Matters. I'm Kieran Beer, Chief Analyst and Director of Editorial Content at ACAMS, the largest association for anti-financial crime professionals throughout the world. In this episode, I talk with Alexander Schroeder, the European Commission's Deputy Director for Criminal Justice. We talk about the Fifth Anti-Money Laundering Directive, and the harmonization of the European Union's anti-financial crime efforts, including the prospects for a more centralized oversight of EU member nations' anti-money laundering efforts. I hope you'll find the podcast interesting and that you'll subscribe, either through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, because financial crime matters to me and to you. Here we go. Could you just tell me a little bit about your role and what it was that occupied you this year in particular? I'm director for criminal justice in one of the European Commission's department, the justice department. We are mainly a legislator. We are starting legislation for the European Union to prevent but also to fight money laundering, including also the financing of terrorism. What we mainly look after is what are the loopholes in the systems, how can we prepare and provide a joint European reply. But we're also very much looking into the bigger picture. How can we as a European Union, an important geographical block work with our partners in other countries? I would quote mainly the United States, very important partner for us. What can we do together to fight these phenomena that are no local, no regional, but really worldwide, very preoccupying issues? And this is in very broad terms what I do. Superficially, when you look at it, one could say Europe has had this tremendous run of prosperity as a result of creating open markets but that perhaps one of the unanticipated things was that these open markets were open to criminals too. And there's almost been sort of surprise when we talk about some of the Baltics, Nordics money flows. Why is that? How did that happen? And what can you do about addressing that? As you said, I don't think that an open market and fighting crime are different. We are very much engaged in having an European open market, also to attract investment, to provide our citizens a very wide range of financial services in very many member states. What, in our view, is necessary that we build in in our regulatory framework already the necessary safeguards, precautionary measures that if money flows, and this is what we intend, there are also the possibilities to detect where it comes from, identification, verification, more controls, not to make things more difficult, but to raise more awareness that it's not only for those who use the advantages of the system on a day-to-day basis, but also keeping in mind that where money is, there's always a bit of criminal activity, that this is factored in in a way that we already set the precautionary measures. It is important what happened in the past, that we have seen cases, I think we need to use this in a way that it provides us with lessons learned, what can be done to make things a bit more robust. But I must say I'm quite optimistic that after the incidents we had, and they're not only happening in the European Union, they're happening worldwide, we can come out on this in the end much stronger than we have been years ago. So what specifically 
are you looking at doing in the year or two years ahead? The fifth AMLD and the so-called sixth AMLD that we debate about whether we call it that or not. What are we looking to accomplish? In recent years, many things have been done in the European Union to make the system more robust. For the experts, we have a four AMLD. We quickly did a next one addition, the five AMLD, to address especially a financing of terrorism, also the transparency of beneficial ownership. Before we rush into something else, I think it is important, first of to see how now the new legal framework works in practice. And in each of the member states, because obviously they have to implement it. Exactly. This is a big process. This is also something we take very seriously, because the law on the books is not as good if it doesn't apply in operation. We may see some issues that mainly concern cooperation between the various actors. There are many people working on fighting, preventing financial crime, with the private sector, financial intelligence units, to supervisors of banks, what in our view is an issue where we feel possibly some more assessment is needed is how you bring all these actors together in a timely fashion, that they talk to each other, that they identify common issues. I think this is something we will see based on our analysis, but in an area where we feel more needs to be done. Then the legislation that needs to be implemented, does that go far enough? And you've alluded to the fact that different languages are being spoken, not just figuratively in the EU, Mm. but in terms of the definitions of crime. Will the fifth AMLD and other legislation that's out there, will that go far enough in reconciling Mm. some of those definitions? You've raised an important point that is the degree of what we would call, let's say, common rules harmonization at EU level. The EU does not have to harmonize each and everything, but especially in this area, I think we can profit from having joint concepts when it comes to prevention, but also when it comes to the criminalization of money laundering. Certainly, we make a lot of use of what is developed at the FATF, because this is a global standard setter, so many things we use in Europe here are already inspired or even more taken over from the FITF. What is also a new element we have done is that we have tried to harmonize some concepts, very basic ones, how you define money laundering, what are the regime of sanctions for perpetrators. It is a bit of a sensitive issue because harmonizing criminal law, we have to take into account that the member states also have their role in this because the whole criminal law systems are sometimes quite diverse. But at least if we have some common basic fundamental principles, common offenses, common definitions, but also when it comes to what would be the overall framework in case you have perpetrators, what are the right sanctions to be set that we are going closer together in the European Union? We've certainly seen over the past couple of years a rise in at least some member states, the kinds of penalties that they're issuing for infractions of AML and CTF issues. Is that encouraging? How do you bring in those that are still not issuing penalties? Yeah, on the penalties, first of all, I think we also need to make a good distinction between administrative and criminal penalties. Both have their raison d'etre. Sometimes administrative penalties are even more efficient because it's easier to impose them and sometimes having a heavy financial fine can be very dissuasive. On the other hand, we should also not completely go away with criminal sanctions if it's really needed. I think it would be good to set the overall framework, not to be too shy, but also not to exaggerate, and to see together what has worked and what are the experience with those authorities who have imposed sanctions in order to get this right. In our view, sanctions is always the last resort. So let's not speak too much about sanctions, but we need to have them in the end in case something goes wrong.
And you said administrative and criminal. Does that suggest, too, with administrative, that can mean both public and bank to regulator kinds of sanctions where they're on notice? It doesn't always have to be public, or are we talking about a greater need for public sanctions? I'm only talking about public sanctions. But of course, the administrative one, you can have a banking authority who can impose sanctions. And when it comes to criminal sanctions, of course, you always need a fair trial to look into that. I asked you about this a little bit in the beginning, but let me be more specific. Obstacles to change or to real progress on this issue, how will Europe balance privacy needs and the need for information sharing? I think this is also important to state that data protection privacy concerns is not an obstacle to fight money laundering. It is sometimes a bit portrayed as hampering investigations. I think we in Europe here have the challenge to have an efficient anti-money laundering system, and it starts from prevention to sanctioning. Natural data protection rules have to be built in. You can also protect your system in not disclosing data to everybody, but only to those who need to know. It has to be proportionate. People have to understand what can be done with their data. Data protection doesn't mean you cannot completely have to keep data for you. You have to do this in a very transparent and open process. And if the data subject is aware what could happen, and if the data is used in a proportionate manner, and that really depends on where you are in the process, I don't see that there is a contradiction at all. We need to do that together, also with our data protection colleagues. So I've challenged you a couple of times about what needs to be done. Maybe you want to take a minute and say what has been accomplished by the Commission. First of all, we have used, especially the years of the Commission under President Juncker, to go a quite ambitious way when it comes to the prevention of money laundering. We have, for example, started to have much stronger rules on beneficial ownership. Not all jurisdictions in the world have it. We will soon have beneficial ownership registers all over Europe with quite far-reaching access rights. This is certainly a strong achievement. We have, in my view, done a lot to prevent the financing of terrorism, also in line with international obligations when it comes to the use of virtual currencies, prepaid cards, and other means of payment where it's sometimes very difficult to trace. We have already started a good way in fostering cooperation, especially when it comes to financial intelligence units, law enforcement. I think we can do a bit more. And my last point is when it comes to supervision, which is also a crucial element in having a robust EU policy. There are many supervisors, but how the supervisors work together is certainly also something where we can still draw on what has happened in the past and also look forward for the future. Alexandra, your Schroeder, thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you'd like to hear more about what's happening in the fight against financial crime, be sure to subscribe to this podcast series, Financial Crime Matters, on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, because financial crime matters to me and to you. See you next month.